Welcome to the Event Tech Podcast, where we explore the ever-evolving world of event technology every week. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event management company on the cutting edge of trends. Now, let's talk tech. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Event Tech Podcast. That gentleman over there is the panicky Will Kern of Endless Events. And that man over there is the rainy Brandt Kruger of Event Technology Consulting. Ooh, that is very appropriate. Very appropriate. We, <laughs> we were saying before we started that I was very confused as I was woken up in the middle of the night by a November <laughs> thunderstorm uh, in, uh, in, in Minnesota. So it was very, my brain just did not compute what was going on. It was like, there's <laughs> noises and lights flashing and I'm confused. <laughs> and we got like thunderstorm. A, we're like, oh, it's just another yeah. normal storm. I was storm. like Frankenstein's monster going, <laughs> How dare you? It was very fun. So we, there's no good segue for that. I was working on. I was trying to. Well, can you translate that into what the topic is going to be today? Boom! (laughs) The segue master succeeds where I failed. The young Padawan that I am. Um, Yeah, we. So we'd been talking on a recent episode uh, about. Uh, trends that we were seeing at IMAX, including those that are um, with translation apps. So when we went to Frankfurt, uh, I saw more translation apps than I had seen in the past. It was like three or so, uh, as opposed to kind of the normal, I don't know, one-ish that would be there. And then in IMAX America, there were even more. So it's there definitely a growing segment of the event technology market and thought it was worth maybe just spending a little bit more time to talk about the different types of options out there. We won't be mentioning any really by name, I don't think, but just knowing that there are different types out there, how they approach it differently, and then maybe some tips and tricks on just dealing with translations in general and what we can do as presenters, what we can do as technology people, AV people, production people, uh, in front of and behind the camera to deal with translation services. Definitely. So there's kind of like the two major buckets, which is like translation and then captioning, which translations like the auditory, where you can hear the person telling you, uh, translating into the other language or translating to English, whatever way you want to do. And then captioning is a visual way of also doing that. You can also technically do captioning where it's in the language. So you could technically just do English captions if you're speaking English. And that's great for like hard of hearing or, you know, sometimes like I like I, sometimes I just rather read to make sure that I'm getting all the words too, to help it comprehend, kind of like listening to an audible book and reading the Kindle book at the same time. Uh, but let's maybe start with translation since I think that's what everyone's yeah, most familiar yeah. with. Yeah, and, and maybe we'll even take one step back and say kind of where things used to be as far as translation. Mm. So it used to be if you were part of a live event and you needed translation services, um, kind of the traditional way of doing that would be to set up like a translation booth. So, you know, either backstage or out in the house at the back of the house, you'd have however many different languages, you'd have a person, a physical person there uh, listening to the audio coming in and then translating into a microphone that would then get broadcast to a headset or something along those lines. So people who wanted translation, okay, I would like the Chinese language translation, Mandarin, um, you know, let's, uh, let, I'll grab the Mandarin headsets 
or maybe, you know, as, as the technology progressed, there would be multiple channels. So you'd say Spanish is on channel one, mm -hmm. uh, you know, or even English is on channel one. You could just listen direct, you know, to, to the presenters if maybe, again, you had a, a hearing disability or something along those lines. And then Spanish channel, you know, channel two, Mandarin channel three, uh, French channel four, those kind of things, depending on the size of your event. And that's really the way it was kind of done for years with, with you know, mm -hmm. people physically in the room. Hi, I'm the translator. Great. You provide them with a you know dedicated audio feed coming off of the main mixer board. They would again listen in you know headsets of their own so they could hear clearly and then translate into a microphone in their own individual booth. Am I missing any part of that? No, you're right. I'm already out? starting to think of all the things that people need to do to make this better because I'm like I'm now right. recapping like oh what, is, how we've done this virtually. Yeah. Well, so so maybe the next step would be talking about also then like how this can be done virtually as well. So kind of what where the future started kind of going with this. Is is that they realized that like, hey, you don't necessarily need to be in the same room because low latency right. audio was a total thing. So like we started implementing a lot of our like international events was actually our uh, translators and our, we're actually wherever. So it's much easier to find a Portuguese translator if they're already in Brazil than right. it is to find one maybe in the United States or in your local city as, as specific. So they started utilizing the translation service using kind of like a live stream of audio where literally you would send them the audio in the room, they translate and they send it back in and then basically you just hook those headsets that everyone's wearing up to like, you know, the, the live stream feed of that uh, translation yeah. audio too. And early, early on, even before, you know, pre-pandemic, we were already starting to see apps that did exactly that, where you would, you know, just send them an audio feed uh, via literally a phone or tablet or anything like that, the internet, um, to wherever that person was in the world. So yeah, you'd get a native Portuguese speaker, a native French speaker who could be in France, who could be, you know, who could be in Canada. Um, and you would send them that audio feed. And then the first kind of apps that we saw on the scene, then I, as the attendee, I didn't need to get some magic special headset. Oh yeah. I yeah. could use my phone and I could just say, I want the French language translation click on that and then I'd use my own headphones or you know airpods or whatever so we were definitely already seeing that type of thing pre-pandemic and then as well, before, so much well, before you, wait before you yeah, yeah, go yeah, to yeah, that go the cool thing about this too is that it was web-based so a lot of times for event apps you could just embed it as a page on the event app too so sometimes it didn't even right. have to leave the event app to, to listen in but keep going yeah, you, you didn't need a necessarily a separate app. You needed, uh, yeah, just an app. Yeah, you could embed it as a frame as part of the internal app. Um, and uh, then, so yeah, it, it eliminated a lot of hassle, to be frank. You know, you yeah. didn't need that booth. You didn't need those extra headphones. You didn't need- I found it was cheaper, uh, too. All of those, yeah, a lot cheaper, you know, because they were just, you know, the, the translation person could sit in their house yeah. and and do it from there. And, um, you know, I, I feel like they did a pretty good job of making sure that it was a quiet environment. You know, I mean, these people were paid well, translators. I, I, will, I will share a lot of experience. We did to do this with a lot. We had like a series of events where we did, were doing this like all the time. By the way, this episode's totally special guest is Brand's new cat, which is just absolutely adorable <laughs> so if you're hearing meowing or anything like that it's uh, you know definitely you have to see pictures of this cat it's adorable she's definitely in <laughs> i'm going to chew on cables uh mode and so i had some charging cables that were just dangling for easy access and so those were being batted and chewed on uh so i had to go quick deal with that she was all charged um, yeah. up okay so so uh, up. so the tip i'll give for people though is that actually in a lot of cases i actually found that 
sometimes there were unprofessional translators. Yeah. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of prep and I think we'll give some tips around, you know, things that you can do ahead of time to help make this process easier. But like one of the things we'd show up is sometimes we're like, dude, it sounds like someone's cooking behind you. There's someone talking to you right now. Um, and because what usually happens for very long uh, translation events is they'll have multiple translators. So then that way it's not one person going for three hours straight. Sure. Um, so what ends up happening too is you could hear a stark difference between the professional and unprofessional person who they switched over to. Um, so that was one thing I think you just got to be careful of um, when it comes to this sort of thing is just make sure that, you know, if you can try to, um, you know, do a lot of tests an hour, two hours ahead, because then if they can replace the translator, that's, you know, cooking in the background um, that you can make sure that you avoid those kind of scenarios. And I feel like that's gotten better. Like, yeah, early on, it was kind of gig workers and, yeah. you know, folks that were getting paid $1.95 a day, you yeah. know, to be able to do to do these things. And I think pretty quickly, there was backlash against, hey, this person sounds like, yeah, they're in their garage, they're they're cooking, yeah, all that kind of stuff. And so I, I haven't heard that complaint recently. It makes sense. Like, work from yeah. home has probably improved that. Like, the pandemic probably made it so more people have had noise canceling headsets were like you know i just remember they'd be like yeah we send them a podcast mic and blah 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 and i'm sure that person didn't know how to hook it up but now it's like it's so much so kind of similar yeah. like event icons has gotten so much easier for us to produce because yeah. like everybody's just used to being on a video call now well and as we've discussed you know all terrible things aside what the pandemic did was push forward event technology probably 10 years um, and so yes the the quality levels the the ability to even do that the speed the latency all of that kind of stuff is just gotten incredibly better over the last couple of years so next steps uh, is, so, so that's gonna, kind of yeah okay, i was gonna go talk ahead. about how to embed this into like a live stream then at this point okay too. Just, yeah, so it's just a quick aside so this was also very common we used to do a lot uh still do a lot of this is that what's cool about this too is that now you have remote translators you can then embed their audio over the, the the live stream audio. So what we did for a couple of clients is that we would make it so that the, the live stream player was a custom player. So you can't do this with like a YouTube live. Um, I don't think you can always do this with a, even a platform's live stream platform. We use like a live streaming company's custom coded platform just but we made it so when people logged in it said what language you want to have and it actually replaced the audio of the live stream to French Spanish Portuguese whatever it may be you know Russian and and made it so people had this quick choice so there wasn't even a separate page to go to however I know that um, I think there's a couple platforms now that are making it where you can embed the, the translator app on the sidebar of the live stream too so you can just mute the player and then bring up the, the live stream translated audio too so a lot of really create like awesome advancements again just making events more accessible to people that maybe english isn't their first language and that's really what we saw during the pandemic so during the lockdown everybody's working from home everybody's doing meetings they're international meetings we saw a proliferation of that side of the technology so youtube and other video uh services were already kind of doing captioning um, you know, that kind of machine learning based <laughs> pseudo captioning that was okay. Um, you know, it was good enough to get the gist of things, but anybody who actually had a hearing disability would tell you right to your face that it was terrible if you were if you were relying solely on that. Now as a you know, just to get the gist of it kind of thing, sure. But if you were actually trying to pay attention to like a medical conference or something like that, it was pretty bad. But That's the good tough. news is that that became much more available. And so even doing bad captioning was better than nothing. And yeah. more and more platforms like Zoom and Teams and everybody else started putting in this kind of automated captioning services. And then to your point saying, 
you know, if you do have a professional translator, here's secondary audio channels, being able mm -hmm. to do that. And even if the the platform that you were using itself didn't have that ability, there were ways to embed it or there were ways to have it on the side or, you know, click here for, uh, you know, for different translation services. And so by the nature of the pandemic, we really kind of had to embrace having the translators not in the room, right? So we had these, you know, the people were all over the world. And so really we're able to kind of hone that and perfect it, having those live human translators wherever they were, <laughs> for, you know, from home yeah. or the office or whatever, um, but definitely not, you know, in the room with the people that were there. Yep. And one interesting thing I think about the, the translating piece of it too is just, yeah, like it, it, the systems became so much more smooth. So, so much to the point, like Zoom even has a very great system for being able to, I know we weren't going to say necessarily softwares and stuff oh, like that, but like yeah. Yeah, everyone uses Zoom, but Zoom's even like, you know, the base level starting get get going. Like I used it on an event very early on in the pandemic and I was just like, this works really well. In fact, one feature that I'll give as a pro tip while we're on translation, because uh, I don't think, there, there, is there any sort of AI-based translation that does audio-based translation uh, before I maybe go into tips and tricks for You mean like actually generating audio? Yeah, yeah. Not yet, right? Not that I know of, but there's okay. nothing preventing someone from doing that. Yeah, 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 it's, right. It's like just especially another with way like to do it. And so part of what we're going to part of what we're going to continue to talk about today is just the different ways to do it. That yeah. would be another way to potentially do it. But I don't cool. know of anybody that's doing yeah, I don't it right know now. yet. So if you do, like email us and let us know because yeah. that's just that's showing also that Brett and I constantly have things that sometimes we're not even aware of. Uh, okay, so tips when it comes to the translation piece though, and this is what I liked about Zoom, is that they had like an ability for me to have a channel where if someone was translating from Portuguese to English, so I primarily used this for an event when I was presenting to a Brazilian audience, and they translated it from Portuguese to English, I could go in that channel and only time I ever heard audio that was different than the main live stream was when they were translating Portuguese to English. So this is a challenge when it comes to translating. I also had it a couple weeks ago I was speaking in an event in Mexico and they had an amazing translator and she could go English to Spanish and Spanish to English well when I went up to speak as a speaker I needed to be able to basically speak English and then she was translating to Spanish but if I ever got a question from somebody I had to go from Spanish back to English so I couldn't keep the headset on all the time because then you know I'm hearing Spanish and I honestly I if you're presenting I don't know about you Brand, but I can't hear other people like I, I need <laughs> right. to yeah. just let, I need to hear myself and what my thoughts are going you know and yeah. so you know that that made it really really difficult that I basically was constantly putting a headset on and off going in between Q&A talking not talking on here so you know think about what your system's gonna be like and I'm not if you have the budget maybe have a two translators someone who goes you know English to Spanish and then when the Spanish pot pops up translate English so this presenter can only hear it and um, just because it's on my mind I'm just kind of ranting about all these translation tips and tricks. No, I've, I've, I've heard other people complain about that so I think okay. that's a valuable point that like like really nailing in how is this going to work when there's two-way translation involved that and I think your point is is dead on that most of the time or frequently that doesn't get talked about and so yeah they wind up being on the same channel mm -hmm. and so yeah as i'm talking it's being translated to spanish and i might need to take that headphone off or something like that because i need to be able to have my own thoughts totally. and then um yeah and then somebody asks a question in spanish it needs to be translated back having separate channels for that is huge yeah so that i'm only getting translation when i need it mm -hmm. and not when i don't 
totally. And I think one thing to think about with terms of this stuff too is like if you're doing translation, if you're doing, we've talked about for live streams, making sure you have microphones in the room so you can capture that audio when people ask questions. But that's also important because sometimes the translators are just having headphones on, listening to the mix from the the main board. And you know, if someone in the room doesn't ask asks a question but doesn't use the microphone, the translator might miss it. Now it creates this awkwardness where I'm sitting here being like, I don't know what you're talking about. I think I've gotten lucky a lot that. It seems like whenever I'm presenting in English, the people who ask the questions sometimes are asking me in English, you know, right. but I don't think that's always the case. Um, so one tip I'd have for this two-channel audio idea is that we talk a lot about in-ear monitors, and Brant and I are just huge fans of in-ear monitors. What I would do too is like offer the speaker a set of in-ear monitors that are like really concealed. So um, I'm trying to do this because we're on we're, we aren't going to be on audio a video for you all to see. But I think we talked about it in our audio setup for virtual events podcast. So go check those out. But like get a really low profile, like behind the ears kind of headset and make it so the feed is I hear myself and then I only hear the translation that covers up myself whenever I'm talking um, on here. And I think that makes it so then that way you can get on stage and be able to hear and be able to do all those things. But I'm not wearing the awkward like 1990s like headphones, which I get why. They're like a dollar and they can be thrown away and they can break really easily. But like me as a presenter, like I don't want to look awkward wearing like right. 1990s Walkman headphones when I'm up on stage. You know, like that's one reason why I t kept taking them on and off is that I'm like, I don't want to be like looking like a weirdo wearing these said all the time that's just a personal preference for me in terms of uh the look um so that that's my tip would be like do it in your monitor mix and i think and just to like i guess pull it away from translation in your monitor mixes are also really helpful if you're doing a hybrid event because one of the challenges i've also heard too is like i sometimes need someone to talk to me in my ear to be like hey you got a question from the audience coming on in virtually and someone can talk to it versus doing like the whole like i'm gonna talk over the whole room and be in the back of the room and do a voice of god like i can in your monitor and IFB straight into somebody's ear, which I think we've talked about IFBs and in your monitors a lot on the show. So just go check out those past episodes. So that's yeah, my, and that's they don't my have tip. to be expensive. The the headphones that I use are ninety nine bucks, frequently on sale for quite a bit less, uh, and cool. they're just uh, they're just sure. I think they're sure SE. 215s. I'm like, sure makes you in your microphones that go up to like $500. I got like the yeah. $89 <laughs> version, right? You don't need, yeah. you don't need for these purposes, you just need to be able to hear. It doesn't have to be like super high fidelity. Um, and, and these are actually, I find to be a decent mix of fidelity and, uh, you know, inexpensive price, price to value uh, yeah. kind of. A exactly. So, so the um, types of things that yeah. we've been talking about here mainly is audio translation, right? So you, I'm, you're, someone is saying something, it's being brought back uh, via either an app or a, head, you know, a transmitter or all of these various things. But where things started to move, if it's okay, if you yeah, if finished your rant, okay? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. The, uh, you know, because we were all stuck at home and because these services were already moving down the road of automatic transcription, um, that's where we started to then see another kind of inroad to translation is that these services then started providing auto transcription slash translation where it was giving you the captioning being auto generated in English, if that was the primary language, you know, and whatever the primary language of the conference was, but then also having these alternative captions in other languages being done on the fly. And so kind of using that same engine. And that's where we start to get into the subtle differences of how 
these now, you know, five or six different translation companies that are out there are doing their thing, is that we're actually starting to move away from live audio, uh, you know, old, old school humans, whether they're in their homes or in the room, but, you know, live, old, you know, old school human translators to more machine generated uh, transcriptions and translations and quite a few different ways of doing that. Definitely. And I think one tip I would have for you is if you haven't ever experienced a caption translation uh, before, go hop on YouTube and find a video that isn't in your native language. So you're probably right. listening to this podcast where you speak English. You probably speak English. Um, you know, you might not listen to a lot of Portuguese, for example. Um, so hop on, find a Portuguese video and then turn on the captions. And you'll start to see the quality and levels in which sometimes these translated captions can happen. So here's a great example that I'll give for, for you on this one is take a, a video like a, just a random video, Google like, I don't know, some something about how to cook amazing, uh, you know, Brazilian food. Find that they probably won't will have the auto generated captions. You can see the quality of what that looks like and kind of the mistakes it can make. But then find like somebody who actually writes the trans the captions, hands writes them. And that's I think the two big differences of buckets that you'll see in some ways. And uh, I think you'll end up seeing that there's a higher quality and that you're able to enjoy and you actually are able to follow along with the video. You're not constantly kind of like, did they mean hot dog or did they mean sausage, you know, um, on there too. So I think that's one thing that I think think about when it looks at this to experience what it's like and put yourself into your attendees' shoes for what these captioning systems look like. Because I'm not going to lie. I have so many people who come to us. They're like, yeah, we'll just do automated captions. Who Like, we don't, yeah, yeah, we'll just do it. It right. saves us a lot of money. And then you realize you're like, oh, there's a big difference between these two. Yeah, yeah, especially when it's when there's uh, specific topics. And we'll, we'll touch on how that's being taken care of. But yeah, the, as a general rule, these auto-generated captions are not great. Like, they're good enough to get the gist. I like So again, it's better than nothing. <laughs> it's better than nothing. Let's be clear yeah. about that. But especially for someone who's in the community of, of someone who has a hearing disability or someone who the language is not their primary language, it becomes pretty clear pretty quick that it's certainly not good enough for for what it should be or you know for a good experience as an individual so one of the ways that that you know companies are dealing with this is actually you know i'm going to save that one for last um so one of the ways <laughs> that they do this is basically the auto captioning right so mm -hmm. you think about services like google translate and you know google captioning or the you know the youtube captioning so what it's doing is as people are talking it's auto transcribing to, you know, using basically auto captioning to automatically transcribe and then using like a Google Translate or something like that to take that English translation or whatever the primary language is and convert it to other things. Mm -hmm. So it's being transcribed first into Thank English, uh, just using us as an example, and then it gets run through a translator and pushed out to, to other you know, the other versions of the of the transcription. So that's kind of the, the first way to do it. And I think one important thing to know, too, is that a lot of times when it comes to these trans captions is that sentence structure can be yes. a big part of it. I think you and I, this is what got the topic idea was you're yeah. talking about like how like uh, we, we talk about like how Germans like their verbs are at the end, I think, uh, in German. <laughs> and so they can kind of read right. weird in English in terms yeah. of the structure. And because these captions are appearing live as they're going, you know, they can't like when you translate something using Google Translate, it knows to move the verbs around and all those things like that 
and then you can read it. But because this is live, it's literally translating word for word for word. And you actually sometimes can hear who with some translators too. That like right. they'll be like, okay, yes, and yes, and yes. Oh, and then they'll repeat themselves and then say the actual sentence of what it would right. need to be on there too. So that's something just to be careful of too when it comes to some of these auto systems on here too. And I'm, I'm kind of bringing these up in order of price too. Like, so these are going to be your lowest price ones. So your lowest mm -hmm. price ones are going to be free to low priced as mm -hmm. far as these transcriptions and transcribers, because it's just using basically off the shelf tools of mm -hmm. we're going to have, you know, Google rip the captions and then we're going to use Google translate to, or some other service, you know, totally. to, totally. to translate it into other languages. So it's essentially free and for them, and then essentially free for you. So that's kind of be your lowest kind of version of, of transcription and trans, transcription and translation. <laughs> translation. <laughs> I, I will, I'll add one thing too, I didn't think we, I, we probably should say this at the beginning of the episode, but like all these things have, we're probably talking about live too, right? Yes. Like, you know, you talk about translating a video in post and it's a pre-record pre piece of content or you decide to do captions. There are some really fantastic automated caption systems, but because it has time to go through that, right. you know, like yes. you, you, it's going to hear the whole sentence. Yeah, you know. yeah, exactly. Like, for yeah. example, Rev.com is the name of a, a, a captioning software. Uh, uh, now it's a software, but it originally was just all humans. Well, they developed a software to do it automated so you can do automated i think even free or cheap and then they can go back and correct it which speeds things up or you can do it where it's like it's all just written by a human obviously being the most expensive as well but um just well, let's not get ahead of ourselves yeah sorry sorry anyways that this is all talking about live though because yep. i think that's where the technology and the i think sometimes the harder situations around captioning and translation come in right so the next the next level up from that i will say then is i've seen services that then will kind of autocorrect as it goes oh, along so wow. it's, it's spooling it out as it hears it but then kind of in the background it's going back okay did that make sense and then it'll it'll rearrange the sentence structure okay. and stuff like that so it's still machine generated it's still doing that thing where it's plugging along and saying every single word that you say but then it'll wait until it clearly has you've hit the end of your sentence yeah. and you are now done yeah and then it'll go back and say parse that out and make it all make sense and so you'll actually see it going back and correcting itself as it goes so one of the at least one of the services i saw uh was doing that where it would kind of it was still machine generated that's but cool. it would go back and correct itself and that's how you fix that that thing that i was saying about you know the german languages and other languages where they'll have the verb at the end is it'll be going word for word for word and then it'll go okay that's the end of the sentence and it'll go back and fix it uh, mm. as it goes I think something that's helped a lot in this technological development, I think iOS 16 added it, but like auto punctuation too um, has been really yes. helpful. So it can detect when you're ending a sentence or, you know, oh, are you in are you using an exclamation point right now? Or are you using a question? You know, like mm -hmm. those things didn't really exist, I think, until like the last maybe five years or so um, on here. It just was just like word, 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 word. And you had to be smart enough to know that that was the end of the sentence if you've ever right. watched a closed caption on like a sports game or anything like that. And it's getting it's again they're definitely I mean they're definitely getting better. I mean, don't yeah. get me wrong, but they're still so so kind of the next level up from that then is is so instead of translating it or transcribing it into English first and then running it through a translator, um, the next level from that is individual machine language translate you know translations mm -hmm. where it's taking the English and translating it directly into another language. So there's different versions of the machine you know running. Um, so the English one is transcribing the actual 
actual English version, and then the German version is transcribing directly into German and translating directly into German. So that's kind of the next level up, mm -hmm. right, is you've got now multiple instances translating directly into those languages. And so I would posit that that's probably going to be more accurate because it's not you know, transcribing it into English and then running it through another translate, you know, translating, yeah. you know, and then moving that thing. But because it's specifically designed to translate from English to German, English to Spanish, you know, or, you know, Spanish to English, those kinds of things, it's probably going to be more accurate than just running it through a generic transcriber. Well, it makes sense, too, that, like, tone sometimes can be really important with some languages, right? Like, um, you know, I've heard it before For that, sure. like, uh, I forget what it was, there's, like, some Japanese word that if you, like, the way you, the way you say it determines whether it's, like, a dog or, like, pizza. Or, right. And I apologize <laughs> right. for anybody, yep. but, like, yep. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I think that's really, really important that because if you translate to English, you lose tone completely into that right. or, or tra transcription. But if you can hear the person's tone, it might make a lot of sense make more accurate as well. Sure. So so that's kind of the next level of and so there's services that are just doing machine. There's services that are just doing machine into English and then English into whatever. There's services that are doing, you know, primary language into secondary language, into other secondary language, into other secondary language, um, those kinds of things. And then kind of the next level from that is okay, we still are gonna have problems with names and, you know, medical devices or scientific words or uh, Latin words or, you know, whatever your particular group's vernacular is, you know, the things that your group talks about that no other group talks about. And so some of the services are services are then offering a way to kind of prime the pump where like you can give dictionary. it yeah, a custom dictionary, a text file, basically, of here's all the weird things that we say in our group, you know, you know, and if you think about event folks, we talk about things like RFPs and BEOs and, you know, on-sites and FAMs and, you know, all of these acronyms and things like that, that we all know what it means, but the machine learning has no idea what any yeah. of that means. It's, you know, and so frequently you'll see stuff get mistranscribed and therefore mistranslated um, because it'll think it's, you know, some, the, the most famous example that I love to give is, is I was doing a, uh, a segment on accessibility. And so I told a whole story and ran my own voice through transcription services and then took my voice out and let the transcriber run. And it was terrible. Um, and I was looking for examples of that kind of thing. And there was a medical conference that kept the, the captioner kept changing gynecological to connected electric electrical, uh, which are very different things, um, as everybody knows. But every so every time somebody said in this medical conference, gynecological, it kept being put as connected electrical. Um, and so the services that allow you to have this kind of custom dictionary will help you get around that. It'll say, okay, we use the word anti-disestablishmentarianism a lot in our industry. So let's make sure that that's in there. Uh, the guy's name is, you know, Bob. Smythe, but it smelled like Smith, you know, it's that yeah. kind of thing or, you know, or that kind of stuff. Well, it's, I think it's important. I'll give an example of where this can go even worse is that um, sometimes there's words that sound like bad words. Yeah, that people right, will yep. say, and that us as English know that the person's not meaning a bad word, but the machine will not, and you can sometimes get captions with <laughs> very bad words being put into them because of this as well. So 
Um, one I thing oh. I, just, I just on that no, I did a, I did a promo for myself for for being an IMAX, and I don't remember what it was, but something got translated to a really bad word, <laughs> and I was just like, oh no, 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 and I was able to go back and and manually manually change that in the transcription. <laughs> And so to, uh, I think a really important like tip right here that we got to drop that might be my number one tip. I think when it comes to like, how did solve was translation captioning, you're using machines or not machines is Brant brought up this custom dictionary, which requires pre-production work for you to think ahead about what you're going to do. And I know that's the one thing we hate to do when it comes to content. We want to just get our speakers on stage, let them do their thing. And like, woo, that was great. But like, we hate making sure we get their presentation. We hate talk going into depth conversations about them, about their presentation. We want to just let them do their thing and save us that headache. But when it comes to translation and captioning, the more like, for example, prepping the translators by being like, here's a presentation they've done in the past so they can have an idea what the content is, giving them the slide deck, creating a custom dictionary, um, letting them know the context in which the content's gonna be on here. Um, that can be game changing. And I know I've I've heard all the battles against this. Oh, but our information's confidential. We can't get it to you until five minutes before. Come on, give them a 50% yeah. done slide deck. Um, you know, oh, oh, you know, like, yeah, I don't have time to do that. You guys, like, this stuff is important. If you're gonna do this sort of thing, you need the extra work to do it. And we're not talking like hundreds of hours. We're talking like, have a three-hour meeting with your translation company and just go over this what everyone's going to talk about the topics you know give them information slide decks all these things like that and they will be like you got us 90 percent further than most of our clients have and you've actually slid into kind of the highest it's it tends to be the more expensive version of this um which is kind of bringing us back full circle which <laughs> is the the most expensive uh not not cost prohibitive by any means, I'm just saying the most expensive um, uh, version of this is actually then using real people on the back end. So it's kind of this mechanical Turk idea where it looks like it might be AI generated, but it's actually a real human being using one of the services like Vitek or something like that to, to actually either translate on the fly or at the very least transcribe on the fly with real human beings. And then it's being, you know, spooled out via a web page or an iframe or something like that into the app. And so rather than even messing with the computer generated stuff, they actually just go, ah, heck with it, let's use a real person on the back end <laughs> instead. And same kind of thing though, where the person can just be sitting in their own home, listening in, they just need a good clean audio feed of what's going on at, you know, in the event, and then they're typing it as they go. And some of the really good ones are also like correcting it as they go and go, oh, I didn't quite get that. And as soon as somebody has a breath, they go back and fix it real quick and that kind of thing. So we've kind of come back full circle, but what I wanted to get at is your point there about working with the services. So Mm -hmm. again, looking pre-pandemic, dealing with translation services, those people who needed to sit in back of the booth, uh, um, you know, they always wanted the slide decks and things like that in advance. And so it's the same kind of thing here where the more information you can give them in advance, the more accurate your your translation and transcription is going to be using those real life people. Um, I I had the pleasure of working in an event in Turkmenistan once, and those translators were amazing. Um, And they hounded me for weeks to get a copy of my slide deck. 
um, just so they could look through it and have some idea of what it was that I was going to talk about. And as it turned out, I was one of the only presenters that did it. And so as a result, I had really accurate translations and like the translators came up to me and were like, thank you so much for sending your stuff in advance. You know, yours is going to be the, the most accurate of any of the translations that we're going to do. And the other thing that I learned from those translators is this idea of completing your thoughts. Oh, yeah. Like really making sure that when you're dealing with translators, you keep your thoughts succinct and short and finish your sentences. Yes. Like I'm doing now, where I'm really <laughs> making a conscious effort to finish my sentences. That's true. That's so that true. then gives them the pause, especially with live translations, the pause, the moment for them to process to put the verbs in the right places, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And especially when dealing with a language like Turkmen, which a lot of the, like the Slavic and Russian type languages of, they're long. <laughs> like, like, you know, I would walk up and I'd be like, good morning. And it'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I'm glad to be here. And then, you know, a half an hour later. Um, so it le very wordy languages sometimes. And so especially being able to complete your thought and let them translate before you move on to the next thought is huge. So this circles back. So when we're using these services, whether it's a, an auto-correcting bot that's translating uh, into, you know, from your language into another language, or a real-life person who's transcribing, it's important to know as a presenter to really complete your thoughts. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes sense, too, because, like, so, like, I, you know, for example, I, when I was down in Mexico a couple of weeks ago, the, the not finishing the thoughts, you could hear the translator would be like, start talking about something. And then just jump to something else. And right. they obviously are doing the best they can. But one of the things that's helpful is when you complete your thoughts and give that pause, it also gives them a chance to add some potential uh, context clues into what something means. I'll use the example that I was listening to a presentation and someone was kept saying chucho, chucho, chucho. And I was like, why do they keep saying chucho? Like his name is Jesus. As an American who grew up in like Arizona, like I had tons of friends named Jesus. I was always like, why do they keep calling him chucho, chucho, chucho? And that and the translator taught me something midway through translating. Said chucho is slang for Jesus, and I was like, oh my gosh, now I understand why everyone's calling him chucho. Um, so I thought that was really really cool because like. I would have honestly been kind of confused about the cultural context in which what was being talked about if that she wasn't given that pause to be able to give me that tip. And the more, again, the more you give them in advance, they can ask you questions in advance and be like, hey, I see that you're, you're referring to this Jesus guy, um, just so you know. Uh, you know, we, we tend to shorten that to chucho. Is that okay? Is that appropriate? Yeah. You know, or would that be in some way derogatory or like when you put on a, a diminutive in some languages? Like sometimes that's okay. And sometimes yeah. that's like kind of, oh, you're, you're treating me like a child kind of thing where it's, yeah. you know, like an ito or something along those lines. Um, so they can ask you those questions as well and say, what do you mean when you say something is out of phase, you know, on speakers or something along those lines? Uh, so, and and they can help you uh, actually, I think they can help you with your presentation because you're going to be able to say things in a way that's more accurate and, and you have to kind of think it through and be able to explain these things in a way that's, you know, maybe you haven't otherwise, if that makes any sense. 
Yeah, def- it definitely does make sense. Is there any other thoughts in terms of pre- like pre-pro, uh, pre-production kind of working with – I have another tip related to ta- captioning, but it's away from like things you can do ahead of time. that help Yeah, you. I mean I'll just throw my two cents behind um, anything other than auto. Like I'm just not a fan of something that's just auto-caption and auto-translate. Um, yeah. It's again better than nothing, mm-hmm. but that's not usually the mantra of most of the event planners that I know. Right. You know, most event planners aren't trying to put on an event that's better than nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know? yeah. They're trying to provide a quality experience for uh, for their people. And so when it comes to transcription, which I think should be on every event at this point, like we, 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 we need transcription on every event, whether it's online or in person for a million different reasons, not the least of which is accessibility, which you've heard me rail about on this show um, and others uh, and elsewhere and everywhere. <laughs> um, you know, not, 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 just, not just from an accessibility standpoint, but also because it's helpful. It's easy. You miss a couple words or the, you know, the conference language isn't your primary language. And so just to be able to go back and read it, even if it's still in English, oh, that's what he said. I thought he said something very different. That's a swear word in my language. Um, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So I'll throw my two cents behind that next level up of, at the very least, it's doing, you know, individual translation into each language and it's auto-correcting um, to go back and do it as it goes along. Um, but my personal preference is still real live human translators, uh, type tippity tapping or speaking into a microphone. I agree a hundred percent. I think the, the ability to have that context is just so much better, um, on it too. So I definitely agree with you on that one. Um, I got a tip when it comes to captioning, um, one, uh, from a technology side, you can do captioning a couple different ways where, you know, in theory you could do like a separate iframe embedded next to the live stream. If you're doing a hybrid event, you can do it where the person reads the captions off their phone. But what I think is really, really helpful is that giving the customization of the captions too. So one important thing to know is that you can technically embed the captions. Uh, and I'm trying to talk about live streams and hybrid events watching uh, that sort of uh, captioning happening. But if you embed it in the live stream, I can't change the font size, the font color, or anything like that. And it's embedded, so it might be blocking slides as well. So one thing I recommend is that if you can, use a, a – Again, I'm a big fan of these custom players. A custom player that lets you embed the captioning as a turn on, turn off. I can change the font size, increase the font size. But this is really helpful for me if I'm being translated because I might want to turn off the captions first, but second to see the entire graph that's on the page. Whereas if it's embedded directly into the live stream, I might not be able to do that. Um, and also, too, for branding reasons, you can put it in colors and things like that. But definitely making it so there's a caption turn on, turn off button and some customization around there. Mwah. That's the best way to do capture. I think you bring up a great point, and and I think it's worth just spending a quick second saying that there's a difference between captioning and Mm. transcribing. Mm. And so captioning being, you know, the words coming up over the video Mm. um, as they go along. Um, And there are regulations. There's international standards when it comes to how captioning is supposed to be displayed for good reason, right? They want to make sure that it's visible on as many different televisions as possible, on as many different, you know, computer devices as possible. And so there's a standardization around how to do captioning um, over the video. But you're exactly right that, that so often when we're using captioning, it's coming over the video, it's blocking a lower third where the person's name is, it's interfering with a slide because we're looking at their slide instead of their image. Um, And the way that you get around that is by having it as a transcription Mm. 
in, you know, off to the side somewhere, that you're seeing it being live transcribed uh, in a separate frame, in a separate app. Um, I'm a huge fan of that as well, that, that I, I don't prefer, I, I prefer having it being transcribed over it being captioned. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a, it's a subtle but important difference because of exactly what you said. I want to be able to change the font size. I want to be able to change the font color. Maybe I want dark mode because I'm going to be on camera and I, you know, I don't want a blaring white page with, you know, to help <laughs> light one. me up or shine in my glasses or something along those lines. So being able to give the attendees the option of how they want to view that transcription and or translation, mm -hmm. I think is a huge part of the experience where, yeah, I want to be able to make it yellow on a black background yeah. or green on a blue background or, you know, whatever I want and whatever size of font that I want, even if it's giving me one word at a time, uh, you know, because it's so big. If that's what I want, that's what I should be able to do as an attendee. So yes, huge fan of transcription and translation as opposed to captioning and translation. Okay. Um, I got one other tip that can potentially save some people money and then the only thing I got left is maybe talk about some future ideas if we got a little bit extra time. Um, but the when it comes to a potential way to save money, if you're planning on doing translation auditory, and do captions at the same time consider maybe having the if the translators are really good and if the translators are not good this can be worse because it can make it the bull suck but one considered option is to have the captioners captioning what the translators are saying um, therefore you don't need to necessarily have them sitting here thinking about oh how do i translate this english into you know portuguese they just are like i'm a portuguese and i'm just writing down portuguese typing um, on here the challenge can be though is if the translator is terrible now your captions suck too and i've had it happen in cases if that you know again this is if you want to save money but if you have the money to do this do separate because sometimes if the translator sucks they'll be like thank god there was captions i at least got some good captions to know what was going on or if the captions sucked at least you had the good translator on here too so that's one thing i think to think about when it comes to those pairings on there too i've um you know when you have those two different systems rock and roll and so yeah that's actually another way in part of the ladder, right? That's another way of doing it. Yeah, is having the human uh, translators and then using auto transcribe uh, from the translations. That's kind or of even yet, go the other way around. another way of doing it. Caption yeah. it and then have the translators read off the captions. I mean, like, yeah, there's a couple yeah, different yeah. combos you could do yeah. on there, but again, yeah, yeah. tying them to each other. And I'm sure based on the explosion in this sector, someone's going to do it that way if they're not already. So, yeah. so it's just another way of doing it. So I think what I would want folks to take away on this is that there's more to transcription and translation than just you know flipping a switch and that there's multiple different ways of doing it which are going to affect your budget you know how much you're going to pay uh, to, for these services and it's going to affect the quality of of the translation and the transcription that comes out of it so where you kind of fall on that scale you're going to have varying levels of quality uh experiences for your attendee and that's going to probably affect your budget true um and, you know, as always, I think we'll always make this tip when I'm on the show, get them involved with your production company too. You know, they'll yep. be, help you figure out how the audio feeds are going to go, where the audio channels are going. They'll give you tips. Your production company might have experience with translations or not. All those things like that are super duper important. So, you know, the earlier you get your vendors involved, the better. Um, I'll leave with one last like future looking cool thing. I'm excited for the time where like 
Google Lens technology can kind of come into to help translate what's on screen too, right? Like when we're talking about slides, like, or, you know, for example, I'm doing my That's whiteboarding live. It would be great if someone, it could auto translate what's on screen and flip flop and change it over. And I think that technology is probably going to come in the next five years. So just be prepared for that sort of thing on here too. But, um, you know, I don't think I, anyone's quite hundred percent doing it live. You know, uh, right who's now. been picking away at it? Oh, Microsoft. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've been yeah. they've been building more and more of that type of functionality into PowerPoint, where to the oh, point yeah. where PowerPoint can do live captioning oh, now. Nice. So you can you can display your presentation. It'll open up your mic, and as you're speaking, it'll it'll do live captioning over your presentation. And will it change the text uh, on your presentation too? No, I don't think so. But that that's cool. not too much further away, right? Yeah, that like because yeah. because both Microsoft and Google have the ability to point a camera at something and translate it. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they're not working on something like that, where you could say, as a remote viewer, because you'd you'd have to view it remotely on something else, or right? augmented reality of the future. Or augmented do this reality. Too. Yep. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Something we can talk about maybe in another show is augmented oh, reality. We've we've yes. touched on it many a times, but I think we've got some things in the hopper that we might be able to go a little deeper on some AR stuff. But yeah, so so that's someone who I think is kind of working on this kind of quietly, like they're not making a big fanfare about it. But Microsoft has been slowly adding in a lot of these accessibility type things into their presentations, like into PowerPoint. Um, I actually just recently used that as a kind of an emergency thing on a show where cool. um, someone uh, who was going to be attending, no, someone who was going to be presenting had a hearing disability and they oh. wanted her to be able to see, you know, the rest of the program for that day. And so we quickly enabled this auto captioning on on the PowerPoint. Oh, wow. And so she was able to follow along using, you know, it was again, wasn't perfect, yeah. but it was better than nothing. And uh, so for, for in the better than nothing department, she was yeah. really happy that, oh, wow, that's a thing. Great. Let's turn it on. And then she, she was able to follow the, you know, the presenters oh. leading up to her before she presented. And was it, uh, sorry to get nerdy for a sec. Did you guys no, like right. take the audio output of like the mixer and then went like into the input of the computer, like through a capture card? Like, we and, did. So, yeah. We, yeah, we, we threw, we, yeah, we, yeah awesome. so we had the mixer nearby. <laughs> we took the mic that, that the people were talking into, ran wow. an audio out into oh. the computer, into the laptop. Oh, so awesome. that it was a nice clean, clean feed. Uh, clean feed, and then yeah, it worked really like surprisingly well. Wow. Uh, again, not perfect, but but be certainly better than nothing. Definitely. Uh, and if you're gonna do caption and translations, guys, like don't t pull it off of a like if you're doing if you have the professional AV team there, take the clean feed for the audio and give those to those people too. Because I've heard it too where people are like, yeah, just put the laptop in the room and then we'll hear it and translate. I'm like, <laughs> right. no, no, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's all, that's all, I think I literally squeegeed my brain of all the years experience working with translation captions for, for out of my brain. I don't right. know if you got anything else, Brett. <laughs> no, the, my biggest one that that I didn't think of until I was dealing with those translators in Turkmenistan was this idea of just really finishing your thoughts mm -hmm. and being you know because uh, we have a tendency to, I definitely have a tendency. You just to did it right and, now. <laughs> and, and yep, yep, exactly. And and then we and then we and then we and the sentence never ends oh. and that. That's really difficult for people to to translate as yes, you do that. Definitely. So yeah, try and do things in succinct, uh, complete thoughts, and finish your sentences properly. Absolutely, just like we need to finish up uh, this week's episode too. A succinct episode, <laughs> not really. 
<laughs> uh, not really. This was a really good in-depth one. But yeah. um, if you if you guys have any tips when it comes to translations, captioning, or anything like that, shoot us an email, eventtechpodcast at helloendless.com. We'd love to to hear from you as well. And you know, or if you just have any thoughts, we'd love just hear from you or questions. Like send us your questions. I think we got some couple audience questions in the queue for future topics too. We do. So so keep those in mind as well. Um, but yeah, Prant, this was such an awesome episode, man. Look, I, you taught me something. I hopefully I taught you something uh, out of this uh, little weird old brain. And, Always uh, good yeah, stuff. It was. Uh, I think this was a lot of fun to do. Woohoo! So, um, all right. Well, thanks everybody for tuning on in. Uh, we'll see you next time on the Event Tech Podcast. Thanks again for listening to the Event Tech Podcast. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head to eventtechpodcast.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. Ask a follow-up question or let us know about some event tech we need to talk about. We'll see you next week on the Event Tech Podcast.